This is episode 11 of Ruminate. Ruminate is a podcast about the opportunities and challenges that technology presents us with every day. I'm Rob Lewis, and with me as always is John Voorhees. Hi, John. Hey, Rob. How you doing? I'm very, very well, John. How are you? Did you uh, have good holidays? I did. I did. I got some time away and relaxed and caught up on sleep. It was good. Yeah, me too. Um, it's nice to just, uh, just have a couple of weeks to... Um, you know, just relax, or like you say, catch up on sleep and catch up on all the stuff that you don't have time for normally. Yeah, exactly. Now, we went on a couple of trips and driving around in the car a lot um, over to Michigan to see some family and then down, flew down to Florida and got some sun, which was nice because at this time of year, it seems like the sun never really rises uh, in Chicago and it's always cold. So, always nice to get away for a little sunshine. So, you just kind of get that gray, that just that gray look to the city where there's no sun. <laughs> Yeah, everything looks dirty. <laughs> it's it's overcast. It gets dark at about you know four o'clock in the afternoon. The sun doesn't come up till around eight in the morning. So it's it's uh, kind of a depressing time of year. But um, we I can't complain too much. We haven't had we haven't had too much snow or too much cold just yet. Although it looks like there may be some right around the corner. So we've um, we've got a very important question that that Joe feels he needs answered. Um, and and his question is why does Rob hate Star Wars? <laughs> Yeah, well, this is an important question. I mean, uh, you have not seen the new movie, have you? I haven't. Um, right. Just, just to I, warn I, everyone I, that there won't be any spoilers because, well, I haven't seen it. So, <clears throat> well, I was about to say you don't care about spoilers anyway, do you? Uh, I, I don't. I haven't actually seen any, but no, I don't. I don't Other people, <laughs> <laughs> Other people may, but but you don't. All right, I'll let you uh, t- take it away with with uh, Joe's question. Yeah, so the Joe's question's a little bit leading, I think. Um, I, I don't hate Star Wars. Um, I, I just... Uh, I, I never watched it as a kid. Um, I, you know, my parents never showed it to me, and, and most of my friends, as far as I know, hadn't seen it. Um, so because I'd never watched it, I've just never got around to, you know, watching the old ones or, or, or you know, even the, the newer ones. So, um, so yeah, and... You know, if I decide now, right, I'm going to watch them all. Like that's a significant chunk of time to um, to commit. Uh, you know, just to see the new movie. But this you, this is said by the guy who committed himself to the uh, '90s versions of Batman. I, I did, yeah, but John, I made it 30 <laughs> minutes. <laughs> oh, okay, all right, all right. Yeah, I, um, I didn't make it through those, um, which is probably a good thing. Joe may take your um, your geek your geek um, membership card away. It's it's possible. Um, I'll um I'll, I'll have to hide it from him. All right. Well, what is for what it's worth, um, I I do love Star Wars, but I grew up with it, and I grew up seeing them in the uh, in the theater, and I really liked the new movie. I thought it was um, fantastic, and I feel like I can say that now, given that there's enough space between when it was when it came out uh, and now, so I don't feel like that's too big of a spoiler. Although um, some friends of ours may disagree with that. So, so you um I I think you said to me. Uh, elsewhere you you saw it quite a few times in the cinema when it originally you know one of the um the, the first films was it like 10 or 13 times or something yeah i did i mean i i it came out in what 77 so yeah i was a kid back then and i watched it like 13 times in the theater because it i think it was out for like a more than a year it was it was in the theater forever and so i would just go periodically and keep seeing it over and over and over because you never knew it you know it, it was there was it was not clear that it would ever come out on any kind of VHS or any kind of <laughs> way to watch it at home. So the only way to see it was to go to the theater over and over again. So I did. Well, there you go. So um, 
on the topic of weird follow-up, um, we keep getting sent plastic bag-related things. We do. This is a good one. I mean, this is a gif of, um, let's see, I assume this was from the UK. Am it I right cer- about that? certainly looks like it. Yeah, yeah. That was a, um, yeah, it's a, uh, it's a soccer player, football. Thank for you. those of you in the UK, yes, uh, who who finds it, sees a plastic bag blowing across the field, picks it up, crumples it up, and sticks it in his pocket. I didn't think that they had pockets in soccer shorts, but uh, or maybe he just sticks it down his pants. Who knows? But um, yeah, and, and the uh, the caption is pretty good. It says, "Mark Noble isn't stupid. Plastic bags are worth five p nowadays." And this was <laughs> sent to a this was sent to us um, by a boy named Boom on Twitter, which I I thought it was great. I really like this. Yeah, this is. Um, I, th- I feel like this has become kind of one of our themes of the show is plastic bags. Um, yeah, here we so are. yeah, you know, and, and, certainly enjoy uh, getting these uh, ridiculous stories and, and gifts and stuff like that. So, uh, so yeah, yeah, we were um, we're showing our, our sports ball ignorance by not knowing who Mark Noble is. But I just looked him up on Wikipedia, and he is a midfielder for the West Ham for West Ham United. Well, there you go. Okay. I, I certainly didn't know that. Um, yeah, I don't, I don't pay a lot of a lot of attention to football, so um, perhaps we should move no, on boy. before uh, before people realise we don't know anything. <laughs> he's got quite a he's got a, he's got a huge Wikipedia entry. So based on the length of his Wikipedia entry, I I, I, uh, I surmise that he's a he's a big deal. Yep, I'll um, I'll accept that. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So um, I made a, a claim on Twitter uh, a couple of weeks ago that if Apple removed the headphone jack, I would switch to Android. And these rumors seem to be kind of hotting up a little bit as it gets, you know, closer to to presumably September's announcement of this. Yeah, they, they have been. I mean, I know there was something in fast on fastcompany.com and some other outlets. I think Wall Street Journal had something on it again. And I don't know. I, I, you know, there was also, I, I, there was a petition signed by a couple hundred thousand people within a day, um, protesting the removal of something that hasn't been removed yet, which I thought was ridiculous, but (laughs) (laughs) find something better to do with your time. But I, I mean, I get why people are upset by it. I mean, it, it doesn't bother me in the slightest. Um, but that's partly because I've kind of tried Bluetooth headphones already. And I know, um, I mean, I see the, the upsides, to doing it too. I mean, I, the fewer holes that my phone have has in it, the better. I mean, you know, fewer things to get pocket lint caught in them, uh, fewer thing, places for water to get in, um, and, and potentially a thinner phone. And now there's been some talk about, um, you know, uh, magnetic induction charging for the phone and other ass things in order to kind of, I guess, mitigate some of the downsides of taking away the headphone port. I mean, what do you think about the whole thing, Rob? Yeah. So I'll be honest, I I still kind of do stand by what I said, um, that I I genuinely would consider switching to an Android or, or, you know, something similar, you know, one of the Android phones, whichever one is the latest at that point. Um, but actually the the biggest problem for me, I I was thinking about this the other day when a lot of these uh, stories were coming out and, like the, the the first one is iMessage, um, you know I, I can use that from my phone and my Mac, and I, I don't use it constantly from my Mac. That would just be completely gone for me, um, you know, if I if I switch away to Android. So the, I feel like that in in and of itself is going to keep me um, 
just to keep me on the iPhone and I'm kind of just going to have to deal with this. Um, in terms of actually removing it, I mean, you know, I, I, as you say, thinness and, and there's less ports and, and, you know, less things to go wrong, which is great. Um, but I, I look at the iPod Touch and I mean, that's kind of like maybe half the half the depth of, um, you know, an iPhone and that's still got a, th- a headphone jack on it. Um, yeah, I, true. <clears throat> I, I can certainly see that this will happen you know, within the next five years, if it's not this year's phone, um, I think this will probably happen across all phones within the next, you know, four or five years. But I, I just wonder, I think I probably said this last time, but I just wonder whether this year is the right time to, to do it. Yeah, no, it, it does seem early to me too. And I, I am very skeptical that we'll see it soon. I think in the next few years, though, we probably will. I mean, I, I do find it interesting, the idea of having some kind of induction charging that allows you to still stay connected with headphones through the lightning connector. Um, you know, cause that, that's probably, that's one of the, the biggest downsides of getting rid of the headphone jack is you can't charge and listen to something on, on the headphones at the same time. But if you had the ability to set it down on something that was charging at the same time, then that kind of removes that, that issue altogether. Um, or if it had like a headphone pass through or something, you know, with an, with an adapter so that it could be charging and, um, outputting audio at the same time, that seems like it would help, it would definitely help the situation or it'd be a good way to kind of, um, transition from having headphone jacks to not, um, so, I mean, you know, like I said, it didn't really bother me. I, I put some links to a couple of different headphones I saw recently. Um, I did see that Jaybird whose headphones I've tried and they broke. Uh, have announced a new set of headphones, a couple of different models that look kind of interesting, smaller, lighter, um, but otherwise look very similar. To, it looks like more of an evolution of what, what they already have, um, not something incredibly, incredibly new. Um, and then this, uh, these braggy headphones. Have you ever seen these? Uh, this was yeah. a Kickstarter. Yeah, I, I vaguely remember the Kickstarter. I think I, um, I maybe even hovered on on backing it, but I, I, I certainly didn't back it in the end. Um, but yeah, they, these these are really interesting. So these are, they describe them as wireless smart earphones, um, and these are, there's no wires with these at all. These are just the the earbuds themselves, um, and they've got a gigabyte or sorry, four gig of storage in them. Um, they can do kind of fitness tracking and that kind of stuff. So these are these are almost like kind of one step ahead in the future, um, kind of beyond what we're talking about where we're just talking about Bluetooth headphones. Like these are kind of almost something else. Right. I mean, there was I think it was about a month ago we talked about Kickstarter, and this is a really good example of the of of hardware Kickstarters that I've stopped backing because I saw, I remember seeing these too, and they looked really really interesting. And if I recall correctly, they were you know the, the early backers were getting them at a significant discount. Um, but I looked at them and thought, this is these are very new. This is this looks like this looks like it's going to be very hard to execute on, and I'm not going to back it. It's hardware. Um, and they did, they had delays, they had many months of delays, but supposedly they've worked out the bugs. They've been at the last couple of CESs. I was reading about this because I ordered a pair (laughs) a couple of days ago. I really, yeah, I did. I mean, uh, it looks like what they've done is they've, there's two things going on here. One is, as you said, there's no, there's no cord at all, no cord to the phone or other device and no cord between the earbuds. Um, 
And the way they accomplish that is they use some technology that the hearing aid industry uses so that they can synchronize themselves for the stereo um, sound at, between each other. Um, and I guess whatever this short range technology is that they use in the hearing aid industry, it, it um, transmits through your skull a lot better than Bluetooth. <laughs> <laughs> so it works really well. Basically, it's got to get through your skull and, and, and your brain, right? So that's probably good. I'm sure that's good for me. Um, but you're right. They have four gig of storage. They've got like a gyroscope in there, an accelerometer. So they basically work like a, um, you know, a pedometer tracker. Um, I don't really care about that that much, but it's kind of interesting. Um, and then they have, you, they have touch surfaces that allow you to adjust things like, um, I think on one of them you swipe one direction or the other, and you can, it'll, it'll raise the level of the ambient noise around you so that you can talk to someone more easily because, um, they have microphones in them. So they actually are picking up people around you and transmitting into your ears. And even to the extent where they are judging what direction the sound is coming from and making it sound more natural. So if someone's to your right, it'll come in more through the right hand headphone than the left, that sort of thing. So I don't know. I just, <laughs> I had some uh, money burning a hole in my pocket. It seems like that's something that's uh, becoming a, a theme, but yeah, um, this is definitely a pattern with you. John. <laughs> I know. I know. I'm bad. Uh, but, but yeah, so now I've got that coming. Uh, so I'll talk about it, I guess, more once I get them. Um, they're supposed to ship this month, but uh, no, no, uh, no ETA just yet. Yeah, they, they they do look quite interesting because they've got a little um, a charging box. Is that right? It's like a charging yeah. kind of dock that's uh, that's portable that goes with them as well. Right. That's one of the things that kind of sealed the deal for me in large measure because the the this little case which is very small. I mean, it's smaller than a deck of cards, it looks like. Um, and it has five five or five and a half charges in it. And so you just drop these, when you're done using the, because these, these earbuds are only so big, I think they've only got like three hours of playtime on them. So you drop in this little box. Um, and of course, this is going to be another thing that I'm going to be scared of losing constantly. But you drop them in this little box and they charge right back up. Yeah, these are definitely, I'd, I'd be interested to hear... Um I mean, yeah, like you say, hopefully they should be shipping this month. Um, you know, so maybe if you've got them in a couple of weeks, we can chat about them a little bit more. But, um, yeah, they, these, I think this, this does kind of go back to um, a little bit what I said uh, on, on the previous episode where we spoke about the Bluetooth headphones and the headphone jack and thing. Uh, you know, even the new Jaybirds that are, are kind of being released, you know, these are kind of the standard in, in Bluetooth. Whether they're any good or not is kind of by the by, but... You know, these kind of start at like $150. Um, yeah. And, I mean, this is something that uh, Kyle on Kyle Seth Gray on Twitter has said a few times that he likes to just be able to buy cheap earbuds for, you know, going running or, or you know, the kind of things where, you, you know, you're likely to kind of break headphones. And I, I'm just not convinced that kind of Bluetooth headphones will – they're not going to be at that price point for a long, long time. Yeah, it's true. No, I mean, price is definitely a factor. And I, I've tried both ways. I've both tried buying cheap disposable headphones and just buying them more often or buying more expensive headphones. And I've gone both. There's trade-offs both directions. And they're, they're both, both you know, approaches have definitely have merit. Um, the one nice thing about Bluetooth is I think they are less likely to get damaged and break. Uh, maybe not exercising is a little bit different because you know you got to have something that can withstand sweat but in just general use 
they're less likely to get damaged because the cord is really how you end up destroying headphones more often than not. Eventually, you're going to get that thing snagged enough times and yank on it that some wire somewhere is going to fray or pull apart from some other portion of the uh, the headphones. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I think, think you're right there. Um, again, I mean, it might get to September and they don't take the headphone port out and all of this will be irrelevant and we can talk about it for another 12 months. <laughs> yeah, I know, I know. So we'll see. I mean, it's uh, it's definitely one of those things that's going to take another, I think it'll be another five years before we see these all over the place. But And the other, I think the other issue worth mentioning briefly is just sound quality. I'll be interested to see what the sound quality is on these because there's no doubt that at least um, the Bluetooth headphones I've used in the past, they just don't have the same sound quality as a wired um, set of headphones, uh, which I don't really care that much about because I'm mostly listening to podcasts, which really aren't as demanding of the sound quality of headphones. But um, uh, but that is important to some people. Yeah, definitely. Um, so, well, as I say, hopefully... Uh, Hopefully they'll arrive in the next couple of weeks and we can um, chat about them on the next episode. Yeah, definitely. So um, so you wrote an article for Mac Stories. Um, I mean, as an aside, this is something you're doing now. You're um, you're contributing to, to Mac Stories, various different articles and uh, things like that. Yeah, that, 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 um, that, that, that's something I kind of fell into towards the end of the year. And we haven't been talking that much uh, since we had our little break and did two episodes back to back. But... Um, I did, you know, I did an article about affiliate linking, which, you know, is related to something that I've been studying for a long time with Blink and everything, and published that right before we last spoke. Uh, and Federico asked me to contribute on a more regular basis to Mac Stories after writing that. So I've done a few articles since then. And um, the, the second one that I did was about screenshot apps. And uh, it was just kind of a roundup of various various tools on both iOS and Mac for taking, editing, and organizing screenshots, because uh, that's something that, you know, a lot of different, a lot of different people use, use and do, um, you, got, you know, developers need to do it for their apps to put on the app store, they need screenshots, uh, writers, obviously on the web, people at Mac stories, for instance, use screenshots all the time, uh, and designers often just clip, take screenshots and and organize and keep them as kind of an ideas folder um, of things that they like. And one thing that was interesting to me in doing it was not so, you know the apps were were uh, were fine, but um, it became really apparent to me that there's a there's a gap between the there's a gap in the app store between the different types of screenshot apps. And by that, what I mean is. Uh, when you look, you've got kind of two different categories. You've got the um, the the editing apps, something like Pinpoint, um, which is was originally developed by Marco Armand, and now the guys at Lickability have, have, are developing it. And then you've got things on the Mac where you organize them, and that those are more. So you've got on the one hand screenshot apps that are geared towards people finding bugs and doing quick quick and dirty editing of a screenshot and on the other you've got the collection the collecting type apps and they none of them seem to cross over very well there are very few that have kind of the ability to both organize and edit uh, a screenshot and i think that's because I think it's for a couple of reasons i think it's because they're all they're designed for different groups of people um and it struck me just looking at it that uh, there's definitely room there for 
for uh, apps that actually cover the entire breadth of this. Because I think that while someone who's doing uh, screenshots for reporting bugs may not need an organizer and want to keep everything, there are people, I think, who have editing needs that would like to keep um, records and, and a backup of their screenshots, such as developers um, who need to refer to those periodically, whether they're putting those screenshots on the app store or in their marketing materials or whatever. But those those apps don't really exist. And, and it was surprising to me, given that we're looking at over a million and a half iOS apps um, and a healthy number of, of Mac apps, too, that that kind of thing doesn't exist at the moment. Yeah, I think this, this highlights um, an interesting point that I've kind of noticed about iOS and Mac and, and um, especially from Federico Vitici, where obviously he um, he only works from his iPad. Um, I think, think the only thing he uses his Mac for now is, is podcasting. Um, and it, it's, it's interesting, you know, I see the, the kind of iOS apps that he finds and things like that, but I feel, feel like there's still this kind of, um, even from developers, there's this, oh, iOS is kind of just for messing around and doing quick things, as you say, like, you know, maybe annotating a quick screenshot or, you know, reporting a bug, that kind of thing. Um, and, and the Mac is still kind of playing this role of this is where you do your real work and here's our organizing app and that kind of thing. Um, you know, I'm certainly not saying that's, you know, I, I don't want to get into that kind of conversation, but it certainly seems like that the um, the developers who are building apps for these platforms certainly tend, seem to see it that way. Yeah, no, I think that's a good way of looking at it. I mean, I hadn't really thought of it that way, but that, that that's exactly, I think, what's going on. And, and I think now that you've got even larger screen iOS devices like, um, you know, like the iPad Pro, that there is definitely room there for something that's more of an organizer. You know, you, when you look on the Mac, there are, there are a few screenshot organizing apps like PicSave um, and Ember and some others that organize screenshots in almost kind of a Pinterest type way. You know, they're, they're there to both organize them, but also display them because people are using them as idea files and that sort of thing. And I think that would work really well on the iPad, but it just doesn't exist right now. Yeah. I mean, it's definitely a, um, that's definitely a gap. And I think a, an opportunity for somebody to, uh, you know, to build something because presumably, you know, there are, there, you know, there are a lot of people working from iOS now, especially with the iPad pro. Um, so yeah, I mean, it'd be interesting to see, um, see if something does come along for that. Right. Right. I mean, and, and, you know, just seeing that there's a gap doesn't mean there's a, a real business or, or product to be made around that idea. I mean, I, I'd like to see it, but how many people are there like me who would like to see that? I mean, that's, that's kind of the rub at the end of the day is there may be a gap, but there may, it may be a tiny, tiny little sliver of a gap, um, and an opportunity, but it's one that I think, um, I hope other people explore. Yeah. It's, um, I, I find that, as you say like you know that you know you might say oh i think this app would be really good or, or you know there'd be somebody else who wants a, a different type of app but as you say if it, if it is only a small amount of people um and the there's just a lot of work i think in into building ios apps you know or if i guess if you're only targeting one say if you're only targeting the ipad pro then maybe that's not too much of a problem but i think there's a lot of lot more work tends to go into building these ios apps because of the amount of devices you need to test on whereas with the mac it's kind of you know it's a windowed application so you're not worried too much about the screen size and that kind of thing um right so you know as, as you say i think it's just um 
it's it, there, there may just not be um, it, enough of a market there for, to um, to make it worthwhile. Yeah, but what gives me a little bit of optimism is that I think part of the reason this gap exists is more historical than anything else. Because for until iOS nine, all you didn't have an album dedicated to screenshots on your phone. You know, now there's a screenshots album that's automatically generated in the Photos app. Um, so a lot of these iOS apps started their lives as ways to manage screenshots. If you take a screenshot, you know that was a way to. A lot of them are dedicated to doing nothing more than finding the screenshots on your phone based on the um, aspect ratio of the, the pixel, you know, the size of the, of the images, cause they're different than the size of photos uh, and then letting you delete them. Um, you know, they, so they were coming from the perspective of my, my photo roll is polluted with a bunch of screenshots. I need to delete a bunch of these old ones that I don't need anymore. And so they, they were really management apps. They weren't editing apps. And so there are fewer that really do much in the way of editing. Um, but you know, the ones probably the simplest one is pinpoint, um, ones that are getting a little more, uh, complex or like point out, which I really like too, um, for things that, uh, you know, probably a little more presentation worthy. Uh, those are both really good apps on iOS. So I wanted to ask actually, Sean, cause you, um, you, you covered quite a few apps in, in your screenshot article how did you go about finding um, which apps you were going to cover? Because I mean, maybe the Mac's not too bad because there's there's a lot less apps. But I mean, iOS you, you kind of search for anything on the App Store and there's you know thousands of results for pretty much any keyword. I mean, what, what was your what was your kind of process and criteria for finding which apps to cover? Yeah, it, it was actually it was kind of hard. Um, there are a million, and I started with the ones I already knew about. Um, I asked around to other people I know what they're using and what they like. Um, I did a lot of searching on the store just to see what came up high in the ranks, um, that I may or may not know about and kind of looked at them, um, and, uh, looked around to see what other uh, articles might've been written about screenshotting apps. There really aren't that many surprisingly. Uh, and, and so I gathered them all that way. And then I just started trying them out. And the ones that I covered were really ones that I thought had some merit for somebody. Um, you know, I, no use in really writing about something that just doesn't work very well. I mean, that's not good for anyone, at least in my view. So, uh, the, the ones that are covered are all ones that I thought had some merit for at least one group of people. Um, and I tried to point out, you know, where the, where, the, where the limitations were and, and who they might be good for. Um, uh, but as you, as you said, it, Mac was a lot easier and, and, um, seems to be, you know, the Mac app store really has got some issues. It's, um, <laughs> there's there's not a lot, there's not a lot there. Yeah, there's not a lot of apps considering it's an app store. Yeah, I um I, I look at the charts every now and again and the and the Mac app store, you know, when I need updates and things like that. Um and and it it very rarely seems to change. Like it it certainly doesn't have this kind of ebb and flow that the iOS app store does where you know a few new apps will come out and they'll all be at the top of the charts for a little bit. It it, it seems like the Mac Mac app store is um it kind of just seems to stay with the, with the apps that you'd expect, you know, the, the iWork suite and, and things like that. It, you know, a lot of stuff from Apple, um, there just doesn't seem to be a lot of, um, a lot of activity there at all. Yeah. You know, I, I guess I looked at the apps outside the app store too, as well. Um, but there are, you know, there were a few of those. Um, yeah. It, it, and inevitably when you cover something that's got as many apps as that, you get a number of 
why didn't you do this one? Why didn't you do that one? Why? <laughs> Fortunately, most of those most of those tweets I got back there, I had I actually had an answer for the vast majority of them uh, because I had considered them. I think one of the hardest ones, one of the ones that I was going to include and then I took out at the end was um, was sketch. Um, because shortly before I published the article, um, Evernote abandoned the iOS app, um, and there's been a lot of reports of turmoil at, at Evernote, and I haven't seen an update to the Skitch Mac app in so long that w- despite being an app that I have used a fair amount over the years, I didn't cover it because I didn't feel like it was something that... Uh, I wasn't confident that it was an, an app that if someone started using it, that it was going to be there or be uh, maintained over the long haul. Yeah, Sketch was a weird one because that was always certainly for a few years like that was the standard. If you wanted to annotate a screenshot on on the Mac, that was what you used. And and of course Evernote bought it, and they kind of added you know logging in with Evernote and that kind of stuff. And but yeah, it, it never seemed to um, it never really seemed like it was very well supported. It seemed like maybe they just wanted the uh, the team rather than the app itself. Yeah, they bought it from the company that does an app called Comic. Is it Comic Life? I think it's Comic Life. Um, which is, I think, an Aust- developed by an Australian company. And it's a pretty neat app that you can basically take photos and turn them into comics. You know, it does speech bubbles and all that. It's a fun fun little app. And they made Skitch, kind of grew out of that and got sold to Evernote it's at least two, three years ago. Um, and you're right. I don't think that they ever did much with the... Um, with the app since it's since it's it was purchased and one thing that was really interesting about the um the ios app is that it it got updated with an extension i think it was last april and the extension never worked it was completely <laughs> broke it was completely broken um and i you know there it there was a couple things that it sort of did um but it was really buggy and they and they they continue to put out updates to the ios app but they never fixed the extension, and it was just kind of you could kind of see trouble coming with that one, and and they eventually just abandoned it. Yeah, I think Evernote have got um, they, they seem to be spread very thin across a lot of different a uh, lot of different products and apps and things like that. Um, but that's yeah. that's probably a discussion for another day. Rather than <laughs> we could probably do a whole show about Evernote. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I, and look, I, the extension, I can see why, as a developer, I understand why that, that extension didn't work and why it was hard and maybe why they, they, they never quite figured it out because um, it, it's really hard to load up, you know, load up an image in, in an extension um, given all the memory pressure and, and allow for annotating of it and then saving it back. That's, that's not an easy thing to do, um, but I, I do kind of fault them for letting it sit on the store from April until December without you know they should have they should have pulled the feature if they couldn't fix it yeah definitely i mean you know as you say the, a lot of these problems are hard problems to solve but but yeah it, it certainly shouldn't sit on the store for that long if it's um if it's not very reliable right <clears throat> so um i think our, our next topic it's not not a massive one um but i kind of wanted to talk about this because this is um it's kind of a little bit outside what we what we normally talk about um but i got an xbox one uh for christmas Right, and uh, I wanted to talk a little bit just just about the the software and, and the setup process and things like this. Um, you know, this is the kind of stuff we normally concern ourselves with on you know iPhones and Macs and things like that. Um, but the, the the Xbox was significantly worse than any Mac or iPhone I've ever set up. Yeah, no, I, I, this is definitely a problem, and I've had it with our PS4 too. But I mean, what was it, what was it like for you? 
Yeah, so um, so the, the the Xbox had actually been purchased probably I think maybe around September something like that. Um, you know, it had been purchased back then and then given to me on on at Christmas. Um, so obviously it had some updates. Um, now the first one <laughs> was an entire refresh of the of the dashboard. Um, so the the dashboard that's on that's in the picture on the side of the box, so that's gone. That's not there at all. Um, right. So, you know, the first thing I do, I, I turn it on and I've got this huge update which completely changes the dashboard um, straight away. And, you know, I mean, I guess the timing on that's a little bit unfortunate. Um, but I think I had to go through maybe five or six update processes um, before I got to whatever they assume is the current uh, current update. Yeah, it sounds like you pro- probably you had increment. They were all probably incremental updates, and it was, they they don't have like a an aggregate update that, that you know since you had something that hadn't been updated since it was cr- built in you know two three months prior, you had to go through each sequential update, right? Uh, yeah, I, that that seemed to be the case, and you know I I can kind of deal with that, but I I mean I I guess I was just getting a little bit frustrated with um with the amount of updates um. And the actual, this new dashboard, this is something that uh, Microsoft have been kind of testing with people and they've been touting it as, as something amazing for a long time. It's one of the worst just user interfaces I've ever used on, on a computer. I mean, it, it's really bad that like kind of everything is hidden away and in weird places. Um, yeah, it, it's not great. I mean, luckily, I pretty much only just want to play games on it. I don't really want to use it for anything else. Um, but yeah, it, it, it's not a, a good experience at all. Huh, that's interesting. Yeah, I, I'm not, I'm not familiar with that interface. I mean, assume that's kind of like uh, it was released in conjunction with Windows 10. Maybe is that right? Yeah, that that's what they've done. So the the, the previous uh, kind of interface or dashboard was um, like a, a Metro style uh, kind of thing with a grid and, and things like that. Right. Um, but it was actually its own operating system. Whereas now it is a it's a version of Windows 10. Um, so I've got like. It has uh, Internet Explorer 11 or 12 on it. You know, it's it's got like a you know full browser and all this kind of stuff. Um, but but the actual uh, kind of layout that they've chosen is just particularly bad. Hmm. Yeah, game consoles have never been great in terms of their their startup screen layout. I don't think. I mean, one thing I do like on the PS4 though, as compared to say the Apple TV. You know, we were complaining not too long ago about the the long row of letters um, in on the Apple TV and how hard it is to kind of go through and pick out letters. Um, they do a really good job on the PS4 with that, where they as you type the letters, it it um, you know it does like a smart search, uh, filtering down the results by by letter. So even the um, the the list of letters that you can type in and scroll to and and select um, gets smaller as you type because um, there's just there's nothing you know there's no there's no word that has. Q followed by Z, for instance. I mean, you know, it's it, they do a pretty good job with um, making the most of what is a pretty rough um, interface for entering text. Yeah, definitely. That's, that actually sounds um, like quite an interesting solution to the problem. Um, yeah. What, one, of, one of the other things, uh, <laughs> so once I'd got all these updates out of the way, I put a game in, you know, really excited to play it. It's a new console, brilliant. I'd been playing it for maybe about 20 minutes, and, and I paused the game. And, and I went off and did something, uh, maybe to get a drink or something like that. And I came back and it, I was told I couldn't continue playing because my controller needed an update. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I then had to do a software update for the controller before I could continue playing. 
Well, I actually never heard of that. I don't think that they have any smarts on the PS4 ones. I may be wrong because I just don't use it that much. But, um, um, but yeah, I've never run into that one myself. No, I mean, I guess it's entirely possible that they're doing it with the console. Um, and, and maybe that's normally what the Xbox does, but it certainly didn't for me this time. Um, so that was um, that was certainly a new experience for me. And I kind of I kind of found myself kind of you know a grumpy old man just kind of going. I remember when consoles didn't have to update, and they just that was what you yeah. got. Um, and you know I don't understand I understand the need to update these things, but um, you know it, as somebody who had you know some of the older consoles, it kind of just pisses me off a little bit. <laughs> yeah, well, it's hard with the games too, right? I mean, the game you buy a game, and and if it's been out for a couple of weeks, it's got many gigabytes of updates itself usually. Oh, yeah, definitely. I mean, all, all of the games that I've put in so far have needed, um, you know, at least kind of half a gig or sometimes a gig uh, update before I can start playing them. Yeah, it's it, and it drives me nuts mainly because, you know, like one of my kids will get some game and they'll start playing it in the evening. It's like, well, you know, it's sorry, you're going to have to play it tomorrow because it's going to take too long to download the update. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I, I think we've said this before, but like I'm quite lucky to have fairly fast internet here, but... You know, I can completely see how somebody else, this is going to just ruin their evening, um, you know, because yeah. they're waiting for these updates to come through. Yeah, we've got pretty good internet, too. The thing is, is that sometimes it feels like it's, I don't know if it's the Sony servers or what, but it, or maybe there's a bottleneck somewhere in the hardware. Uh, it, it can take very long time for uh, for software to download on our PS4 compared to, say, you know, downloading on the Apple TV or on a, on a laptop or whatever. I mean, it's it's definitely slower just because it's the PS4 for some reason. Yeah, it's, it's it's it's. I think there's a lot of. Um, it really depends on what game it is as well. I, I've I've definitely read somewhere that sometimes EA do their own updates from their servers, so mm-hmm. that could be some of the problems as well. Um, I, I don't want to complain completely. There's one really really nice feature on the Xbox One, um, and this is when you play uh, when you put a Blu-ray into play, um, and of course normally they they ship with their own you know UI and and the horrible menus and things like that. Right. With the Xbox One during playback, if I pause it, I don't know how it's doing it, but it overrides whatever stupid playback mechanism the Blu-ray comes with, like whatever UI that comes with, and you always get the Xbox uh, kind of playback uh, menu. Okay, that's um, nice. Which is a lot nicer than getting you know all these weird kind of branded ones on movies and, and, and things like that. Yeah, I'll, I'll tell you, that's I, I don't have a Blu-ray pl- player, and that's largely why. Uh, because why, why why subject myself to um, those you know those menus and all that delay? I, I don't know. I, I've ne- I've never seen the uh, the need to have Blu-ray because that kind of stuff just irritates the hell out of me. I'd rather just download something off of iTunes. Oh yeah, definitely. I mean, for the most part, I buy Blu-rays um, for uh, kind of films that I really really like, and I want a lot of the you know the bonus features and documentaries, commentaries, that kind of stuff. Yep. Um, which you certainly, you know, you can't always get through iTunes or, you know, sometimes you can watch this stuff on YouTube or, or elsewhere. But for the most part, like if it's something that I really love, I'll go and buy the Blu-ray so that I can, um, so that I can get the extras. If not, you know, if it's just a movie I want to watch and I'll just grab it from iTunes. Yeah, no, I, I, I get that. I mean, I'm not, I'm not a big extras person, so, but I can, I can definitely see that. Plus, I mean, I guess the, the generally speaking, I guess the, uh, the picture quality is probably superior on Blu-ray compared to even, you know, a good 1080p download you get from iTunes. It's a little more compressed. Uh, yeah, definitely, it definitely um, is a, is a difference in the, in the uh, picture quality. Yep. So, um, it's CES week, John. 
Oh yeah, how's your CS? Oh, CS how's your CS? <laughs> That's the oh, question. it's good. It's good. Joe made me a, a trailer. Did you see the trailer that he put on uh, on Twitter? I did. I did indeed. Uh, yeah, he made me a trailer, and I felt bad because he left Mike out. So I, he, he, I made him revise it. So um, I think CS ended maybe yesterday or, or Friday. Um, <laughs> I suppose, yeah. But there was uh, there was something came out on on Tuesday. I think uh, LG were having their announcement. So and, and they've announced a, a washing machine. Brilliant. Oh, great. I saw. <laughs> this sounds yes. great. You know, washing machine is that's something that people need. Um, you know, it can do all, it can do two cycles at the same time. I don't. I, that's a bit beyond what I would want from a washing machine. How does it do that? Do you think? I, I, honestly, John, I didn't look into it. I really didn't. I don't <laughs> care enough about washing machines. <laughs> well, that's the question that went through my mind, and then I thought, oh, I don't really care. <laughs> So um, I really don't. I figured, does that have two like two tubs, separate water? I mean, how how could it possibly do this? So, um, but the, the the second tweet about this that I saw was, you can download popular wash cycles from your phone onto the machine. Yes, artisanal, uh, handcrafted wash cycles. That is just, it's too stupid for words. Okay. <laughs> well, what is there between besides like normal, uh, maybe heavy duty? I don't know. I'm not. I'm not. A, I'm not a connoisseur of wash cycles, so maybe I'm missing something here. I, I, I've never looked at my washing machine and thought, you know what? If only I could download one more different type of wash cycle. Right, or maybe find find the wash cycle from my favorite person online. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Um, you know, you could download the the, the Ruminate Edition uh, wash cycle. Mm. Yes, yes. There's definitely a marketing opportunity there. Mm. Just, just wait. Yeah, I know, bet so, there'll be yeah. a social network associated with this as well. <laughs> yeah. So uh, it's uh, CES is is a weird thing, and I don't really like it. I I used to I used to pay more attention, and I found it frustrating because half the stuff that you see announced that sounds really cool and great, and right around the corner never gets made. So why even bother and spend the time? paying much attention when most of the stuff is hype and not and not real is kind of the conclusion i came to yeah i definitely i i, I try not to um pay attention too much i mean this one i think got retweeted by somebody um but i think what was quite telling to me i was on the wikipedia page for ces because i was curious about how long it had been running and there's a there's a section at the bottom called notable products that have been launched at ces and ces has been going for like 20 years or something so you'd assume that there'd be quite a lot of products there right this is a list of about 20 to 25 products so that uh-huh. tells me that there's maybe like one or two good things every year that get released and right, everything else right. is just not worth the time no you know ces actually used to be in chicago um way back when there there might have even been two ces's at one point where there was a chicago and a, and a vegas one and I, I went to it when it was in chicago um in the 90s i think and it was kind of fun back then but i think it's become more junky as the years go on i probably did to be to be honest uh pay a little more attention this year i was just in terms of scanning headlines um but i really didn't see anything that um that excited me i did find those headphones the the uh the jaybird ones i saw that link somewhere um sometime during the week but no i didn't really pay much attention no i mean the the weird part about it of course is that like a member of the general public can't get a ticket for this anyway like it is purely just press people 
Yeah, well, that's see, that's the difference of when I went back in the '90s. Is it was a, it was actually a consumer electronics show there then, and you went, and it was geared towards the public coming and seeing things. So mm-hmm. it was, you know, I think it, so. I think it's it's changed dramatically since then. Yeah, because I think that by the sounds of it, what what's really happening is you know the likes of LG and actually well done LG marketing department because we've spoken about your stupid washing machine now. Uh, yeah, exactly. <laughs> But I think all they're trying to do, they're all ju- all these companies are just trying to outdo each other to get as much press as possible. They don't care if they're going to ship this stuff or not. No, and, and it seems like every year they come up with, uh, there's some sort of conspiracy to come up with a silly theme that, that everybody has to have. Like, you know, 3D TVs or curved TVs or, um, you know, internet connected TVs. And, and most of it's stuff you don't. It's, you look at it like, well, why? It's like the it's like the washing machine. Why? Why would I want that? Yeah, I, I feel like the theme of this year is just kind of put smart in everything. Uh, that that seems to be what everybody's doing. Doesn't no matter what it is. Um, let's just put a, some kind of chip in it, give it some Bluetooth, and and let's just try and flog it like that. Right, and cars were a big theme too, I think. But um, and, and that's kind of interesting. But all you really heard were announcements that so and so is going to work with so and so to make an autonomous car. And you know, if you're not, uh, it's kind of interesting. On the other hand, we're not going to see a lot of these deals. Nothing will ever come of them, or you're not going to see it for quite some time. So, you know, tell me about it when you have a prototype that I can look at. <laughs> yeah, definitely. I think the other problem you, know, you mentioned cars and. TVs and washing machines and all of these things. A lot of these are products that you only you only really buy them when the one that you've already got is broken. Um, you know, I'm not going to see a a TV or a washing machine that you know they don't have to be a really compelling feature. But I'm not just going to go, oh, I'll just buy a new TV because this looks cool. Um, right. It's just not the kind of things that people tend to buy on a whim. Right. Well, and I can, I'll can i be grumpy old man and say, you know, I just don't need smarts in everything that I use. Neither you do know, I. Some, neither do I. <laughs> I just don't. I mean, the washing machine is probably the, one of the best examples. It's like, I'm going to throw some dirty clothes in there, a little soap, and say, go. And I'll come back in 40 minutes, and it better be clean. That's all I care about. I don't need another way for it to break. No. You, you, so you don't want to download the wash cycle that I use, John? Uh, is that- <laughs> well, I mean, that is tempting. It is tempting. <laughs> but, but no, not really. So um, <laughs> our final topic, um, which do you want to do first, the puddle or the peach? Let's talk about the puddle because I that one caught me by surprise because I was busy and and missed a lot of the puddle until I saw you posting on Twitter incessant pictures of these people with their puddle. Where was it? It was somewhere in north of England, right? I forget where exactly. Uh, yeah, it was in uh, Newcastle, I think. Um, so the, the, the basic, what happened was there was, you know, it was raining because it's England, um, and it had rained quite hard and it created a, a fairly large puddle um, at the end of this kind of uh, subway tunnel, um, or you know, like a, a footpath where people would come out, and it was obviously a fairly busy path because there was people walking through all the time, and uh, so somebody had set up or, or started periscoping um, the view from their office window of this puddle. Um, and just kind of, you know, laughing at people trying to get round the puddle or, you know, some people don't care and just walk straight through. And within, I, I guess I saw a link to it when there was maybe a thousand people watching. And uh-huh. within about 20 minutes, it had something like 18,000 people watching. 
Yeah, I think by the time I got to it, it was around 20 or so. Yeah, but a Periscope actually broke at 19,132 people. Um, it wouldn't go up beyond that number, but it was definitely going up. Because uh, BuzzFeed yeah, what... tweeted about it, and you know a lot of the, the news sites did. Um, but yeah, this became just something crazy. Like, pretty much everyone I knew in the UK was watching this thing just to see if anyone would like fall in or, you know, do something stupid. And then people started showing up with like inflatable things and a surfboard, didn't they at some point during Uh, the morning? Oh yeah. And everyone was jumping on this, like Domino's turned up with pizza for the people down there. Um, there was local news reporters down there taking photos and interviewing people, that kind of stuff. Um, it was just, just a very British, um, probably the most british activity there is just watching a puddle on the internet yeah i well actually when i first thought when i first saw it the thing that first popped in my mind was your paint drying kickstarter the the what sorry the uh the paint drying kickstarter oh yeah (laughs) yeah absolutely it reminded me of people sitting around watching paint dry um and I, I, it was amusing. I liked when people started suggesting that you go down to the puddle and wave, and you're, and you're like, well, it's five hours away. <laughs> Had I been closer, I would have gone down there for definite. Um, <laughs> all these crazy Americans. Uh, England's small, but it's not that small. <laughs> yeah, we still have the passage of time and distance. <laughs> exactly. Um, uh, so yeah, yeah it's it interesting. It was a good internet phenomenon. I think it just goes to show how slow the news has been lately, right? <laughs> uh, oh, definitely. Um, I mean, because I kind of see, I saw a few people tweeting the the hashtag. Uh, I think it was like Drummond Puddle Watch or something. Um, right. And uh, and I've seen a few people. I was like, what the hell is this about? This can't be whatever. You know, I kind of just carried on doing what I was doing, and then I saw a few more people, so I kind of clicked it, and I must add it up on my screen for like two hours. Um, just, <laughs> I was still working, but I kind of just had it on the side of my screen in case I missed anything good. It was more interesting than CES, that's for sure. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> that's why it, that's why it became big. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah, that's funny. No, it was it was one of those interesting things that on the internet that just kind of catches fire for no particular reason, other than uh, the you know the right people clicked on it i guess oh absolutely and then you know w- within a week nobody's going to remember it you know no- nobody will care and we'll all be on to the whatever the next new stupid thing is <laughs> yes 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 speaking of which and that's, <laughs> <laughs> that's how the pros do it john yeah exactly well I, out of nowhere this new um social network popped up on i guess sometime on friday called peach then it, it it's a fine app and it looks like it works pretty well i mean i'm not really sure who it's for or what i fiddled around with it why not right um but it it doesn't have a timeline it's, it just is you post messages and people can look at them and it's a little bit like twitter but not really twitter and um i don't know what do you think about it yeah i mean it seems i, I don't really get it i, I mean it's I, I, get the, I think the point of it is that I, I follow you, for example, and then when I go into the app, I specifically click on you to see what you've been doing. Um, but I, I, I fail to see how that's better than, you know, an actual timeline with all of these things. Um, yeah, it's more work as, as as far as I'm concerned. I mean, it means I'm not a lot less likely to um, click on a particular one. I, I mean, I guess I've seen it compared to Path, and it's probably more like Path, although I've never really used Path. Although, I, I you know, I know a little bit about it, but... Um, I guess it's more like that. It's it's maybe supposed to be smaller and more one-on-one. 
Yeah, that's it. Certainly seems to, but again, like you, I didn't really use Path because um, I never found a use for it. Um, and to be honest, again, in in two weeks, will people still be using Peach? Maybe I don't know. Um, I, I don't. I don't really get it. It was like when everybody jumped on Ello, right? <laughs> God, yeah, I'd forgotten about that. You're- <laughs> yeah, no, you know, you know why I remember it is because uh, they started plastering posters up around Chicago a couple of months ago, and so I still, you know, run into these posters, and I, and I, and it, I don't know. I think it's weird because, as far as I can tell, no one's using Elo, but there's posters all over the city. Maybe they're just, I don't know. Maybe they're trying to run out, use all their funding money up. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I, anyway, it's. I mean, I don't want to malign this app too much because I think it's a, it's a well done app. I just don't. It doesn't seem to really fit a need for me, and I, I think it's, it struck me as one of those things that everybody jumped on to grab their username in case it becomes a big deal. Yeah, that's pretty much the only reason I did it. Because um, I, I, I can't imagine anyone's going to take my username, but you never know. Um, I'm not sure where I even saw it. I think I saw it from you. You're like you're a trendsetter. I think I saw you uh, on it first, maybe. Uh, I saw Kyle on it, because let's be honest, Kyle is... you know. Carl Seth Gray, well, he, he, he kind of tells us what <laughs> what the cool things are and, and explains them to me if I don't understand them. He is the internet, I thought. I, I think so. I'm pretty sure that's right. Okay, that's 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 what I that's what I've figured out over the years. But yeah, no, I, all right. Well, it is where it is, right? Uh, yeah, and I mean, I think I agree with you. Like, it, you know, it's a very it's a very nicely done app. You know, I certainly didn't really find any bugs or anything um particularly annoying about it um I just, and it seemed to hold it seemed to hold up under the pressure too which there were a lot of people fiddling around with this friday night yeah i think i saw it once where it kind of couldn't connect but you know within a couple of maybe 30 seconds or something it was absolutely fine again um mm-hmm. so yeah you know it'd be interesting to see i mean i get they don't they don't have a, a web component uh, so i can't use it from my mac um as far as i know no, I, I don't think they do. Um, and I, have you tried loading on an iPad? I mean, I guess you don't really use an iPad I anymore. I you you sold it, didn't you? Yeah, I didn't even have an iPad. Job. Oh, oh, Rob. <laughs> we, we do have one in the house, um, but it's not mine. Uh, it's, it's my girlfriend's. But yeah, I, I don't even have one at this point. Well, I haven't tried putting it on an iPad, so I can't s- say whether it works on the iPad or not. I assumed it was probably iPhone only. Yeah, I'm not sure. But um, yeah, well, we will we'll see in the... In, in a few weeks, if it's still around and people are still using it or not. We need to be doing more research for this show, Rob. I mean, I think we're, we're letting people down. We, we have not dug as deep as we should into Peach. I, I'm sure this this is what people tune in for, to find out if Peach works on the iPad. <laughs> you know, you know, those guys with that other podcast, uh, they, they, uh, they, they, uh, they published a podcast about Peach already, and I thought we were going to be the first. Yeah, they did. It's very weird, though. <laughs> I know what you're referring to, John. But uh, <laughs> talking, talking about Marco and Joe. Yeah, so they uh, they published a a 14 second long podcast where with um with very detailed show notes where the show notes were the actual conversation because uh, poor Marco's lost his voice. <laughs> well, we haven't done that, so we've got that on them, don't we? Absolutely. So um, I think we should probably wrap it up now because we're getting a bit silly now. I think. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, we'll save the crazy guy who made a snow igloo, igloo in Chicago for next time. So stay tuned, people. We're going to talk about snow and igloos next time. There you go. Maybe it will snow here, and we can uh, we can talk about that as well. So, um, okay, uh, you can find me on Twitter. I'm at RMLewisUK, and my website is RobLewis.me. And, John, where can people find you? 
John Voorhees, uh, at John Voorhees on Twitter, and you can see some of the articles I've been doing at Max Stories over on MaxStories.net. And there we go, and we will be back in a couple of weeks. All right, great. Speak to you later, John.